Hey family, it's great to be back. Just for a week, for a week, just to make that clear. Oh man, it is so amazing to be back in this room and back with you all, uh, the remnant of you anyway, who are uh, registered and sitting socially distanced. I don't know if you can see that from the, um, from the camera angles, but uh, it's like being home if mom and dad didn't give you a hug, but fed you a great meal. And so the worship is every bit as powerful and extraordinary as you remember it being, and I hope that you uh, find a way to get here again soon. Um, Pastor AJ, thank you so much for the, for the cue and how to worship today. You know, he, he coached me last week, and he said, you know, I, found, I was saying it's, it's been hard with my face mask. You could try out different face masks at home would be my encouragement, and just practice belting out a few choruses and see if you can get your breathing down. But he said, really, look for the key changes and the bridge. That's really where the power is. And then clap the rest of the time. So I appreciated that. It worked well for me tonight. Um, so I'm happy to report that in the city of Denver that uh, there has been not a single surprise and everything is going to plan and, uh, for the church plant. Um, there have been thousands of surprises and it's not my plan that it's going to, but I believe that it is going according to God's great plan. Um, a plan is what you have until you figure out what you're going to do or what God wants to do and we are glee- joyfully and gleefully submitting to the Holy Spirit during this season, and we're seeing extraordinary things happen. People are getting saved. Uh, the kingdom of God is being established. The city is being served, and it is a great privilege to do that with you and on your behalf for those of you who aren't able to, uh, to go and do that. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to look at the Word. We're, we're looking in Luke chapter 15, and I want to share a message titled, the, Rele- the Restless Church. The Restless Church. Luke chapter 15 says this, In verse 14 through 16. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. This is God's word to us and for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to comprehend what is your great plan for us in this cultural moment. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 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 So I've titled the message Restless Church, and I'm going to talk about how God is going to use crisis, unfulfilled desires, your vocation, and even loneliness to produce restlessness in your life to bring about renewal and relationship. The son was in this mess because of his rebellion against the father. The son was at home and he got restless in his soul and he had this idea that he could build a life for himself that was better than the life that the father intended to build for him. And he ends up asking for the fathers uh, to, to give him his inheritance before the father was dead. Tim Keller describes it by saying that basically the son said to the father, I'd rather you be dead because my plan is better than your plan. And the father said yes and gave it to himself, to his son as an act of love. And we'll see why in just a minute. I believe the father knew what was in store for the son as he went. And I believe that if we, as we look at this, what we're going to see is that, uh, that we are in a, in a desperate cultural moment 
And we're all restless. Can anybody in here not restless? You feel a little bit, you feel anxiety creeping up. This is not an anxiousness or a restlessness that's just in the world, but it's an anxiousness and a restlessness that is also here in the church. It's here in in not Grace Covenant Church, but across the church and across the world. I think that's one of the things that's most remarkable about this season is it's not just something for the United States, but it's something for the global church. And so what is God up to? We tend to think that when something's going on, uh, people start talking about, well, maybe God is judging the country. Maybe God is judging the world for their distance from him. But I want to contend with you this, this evening that, that God isn't just, he's not judging the world in that sense. But what he's doing is, is he's provoking his people. God wants to provoke his people because the way that God brings about renewal in the world isn't by frustrating the world. He brings about renewal by, by trans, bringing about transformation in his people and they become agents of renewal and change in the world, establishing the kingdom of heaven every place they go. And that is what God is inviting us into. And here in Luke chapter 15, we see that the son has fallen out of love with his father and wants the father's stuff, not the relationship. And the father gives him the stuff and the son goes off and he parties so hard that he, he runs out of all the resources. And Jesus is telling this story to the scribes and to the Pharisees and to the sinners who are gathered to hear him speak. And he's speaking to them. And, and I, I like to think that when Jesus is teaching these parables, we call them parables, which is a story, right? He uses stories to, to teach us about spiritual truths. I actually, I like to imagine that there was actually someone in the crowd and that was exactly their story. Right, because he could have done that. Being Jesus, he could have been telling the story, and, and this kid, the guy's like, oh, that was me. <laughs> like, you know, kind of like when the, you think the pastor's telling the story about you from the stage, and you're like, hey, that was totally me. He's totally talking about my life right now. And I like to think that there was at least one person in the crowd that day who was like, that was actually me. He knows my story. But the reality of this parable is so much truer. It's so much, or it's so much more exciting than even that. The reality of this story is that it's a story about every single one of us. And so not one person in the crowd should have seen themselves in the story, but every person in the crowd should have seen themselves in this story because there wasn't just one prodigal son, but there were two prodigal sons. One just ran real far and one stayed home, but both were distant from the heart of the father. And our emphasis is going to be on the, on the younger son today because even though rebellion is what got him stuck, I think we can identify all of us with his stuckness and what God wants to do in the midst of it. What we see is that, that he ran out of resources. And then when he ran out of resources, then it's compounded by a severe famine coming in the land. A crisis came about for this young man and he had, after he had run out of everything. And I want to, I want to let you know that God will use crisis to make you restless, to bring you back to himself. But I also want to say that's not the primary way that God moves in the world through the Old Testament or the New Testament. His primary means of of bringing about change in the world is what I said earlier, is through his church. God's preference is to use you and me, to use his people, to, to mobilize his church for the glory of God, establishing the kingdom of heaven every place we go. But he'll use a crisis. Are you tracking? We're not, we don't have to live in fear of God smiting and smoting us because, because, we, because of misstep. But God, is, he, he wants to, we can volunteer for the service of establishing the kingdom in our city. And that's what I love about this house so much. Abraham 
and Isaac were both moved through famine. For Moses, it was injustice, and he saw a guard beating a, a fellow Hebrew, and Moses rose up on the inside because there was a crisis that he could no longer ignore. For King David, it was a taunt, and Goliath stood in front of the, the, the army of Israel, the, 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 the army of the living God, and he was taunting, and David was just trying to deliver a sandwich, but he couldn't take it anymore, and he rose up and said, something must be done. Because God will use crisis to cause you to rise up and say something must be done. But before something gets done, something's going to happen and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But so David is crying out. Let's talk about our cultural moment. And I'm going to tread carefully because you're not my congregation anymore. But I will say that COVID, COVID, COVID has us all restless. With the quarantines and the stay at home, the two weeks and the two weeks and his school opening and who knows, the economy is far more fragile than any of us imagined. It's been up on the right so long, we thought that we were fine. We didn't realize how fragile absolutely positively everything is and how dependent we are on God to be the one who provides and supplies our stability and our comfort and our peace. And then the compounding impact of the, the racial tensions of this moment as our, as our country grapples and, and wrestles with the, the tension that comes from being a nation that was built on slavery and then, and then the subsequent injustices that followed. And we're, we're in this cultural moment where things are compounding on top, of, on, top, on top of each other. And here we find ourselves restless, saying something must change. And here we are. Did you know, here's an interesting fact I didn't know where to put. Did you know that air pressure is the weight of air? Did you know this? Air pressure is the weight of the air. It's kind of interesting. So when there's low air pressure, like out over the ocean, there are higher places in the ocean because the air is not holding the water down anymore. Did you know that water pressure is the weight of the water on top of you? And that when you're in the water, you become a part of the water and the water is pressing down on you. So what you feel is the compounding effect of all of the little water molecules on top of you pressing down together. And that's why you feel the pressure at the bottom of the pool because you're, it's, it's being distributed across all the other water, water molecules and across your body also. Did you know that stress is the effect of compounding events and situations building up and building up and building up and building up in order that restlessness can be identified in your soul so that you can know what's been going on the whole time that God already knew about. So we find ourselves in this crisis and, and God, so, so God will use crisis and God will also use unfulfilled desires. It says he began to be in need. This boy who grew up supplied for by his father and had everything that he ever needed and thought that the, the, that the father's stuff would be sufficient to carry him through, but it wasn't. And he ran out and he began to be in need. And, and, and the situation's compounding. Now he, he ran out. Now there's a severe crisis. And now he's recognizing his need that was there all along that he thought the stuff was going to fix. And the stuff couldn't fix. Now the indicator light on the dashboard of his soul is flashing and it's going crazy. And the sun is starting to panic a little bit. And he's like, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And some of us are looking at the dashboard lights on the, uh, the, the dashboard on the, on our soul and the lights are flashing and we're saying, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Now some of us drive our cars with the check engine light on forever. Don't do that. And you don't, you don't check it because you're afraid, right? You're afraid. What's this thing going to cost? 
What's this going to cost? I've got to pay the diagnostic. That's 80 bucks. And then are they going to include it in the repairs or not? Is this thing going to cost me $200 or $2,000? I'm here to let you know that the cost has already been paid. The cost has been paid for the diagnostic that we're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God. And he paid the cost for us already. And so here he is with this desperate need that's already paid for, but he hasn't taken it yet. Because he wants to continue doing it on his own. Your unfulfilled desires will produce in you either a desperation to cry out to God for his relationship or an intensity and an intentionality of doing things on your own and being self-sufficient. For Hannah, who wanted a child so badly, she cried out to God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, just crying out to God so desperately that by the time Eli the priest saw her crying out, she was just moving her mouth with no words. She was so desperate for God to satisfy her need that she was mistaken with being drunk. Bartimaeus, who was blind since birth, was crying out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, save me. And everybody told him to be quiet because his desperation was making them uncomfortable. The pressure of this moment wasn't yet sufficient enough to send the son home. He, he, he wanted to try more. And so he hired himself out. Hiring himself out is, is the story's way of describing every single way that we try and be self-sufficient and keep God out of the equation. Perhaps because of our humiliation, perhaps out of rebellion, perhaps out of insecurity, or perhaps out of that's just what we've always done and we don't know that there's a different way. Whether you hire yourself out to actual companies looking for greater and greater success or you numb yourself with social media, which is hiring yourself out to them because the more you're on there, the more money they make and the less progress you do. So we can hire ourselves out to social media all we want. They're getting richer. We're getting poorer. And the worst possible thing that could possibly happen in this situation is that we're successful enough to numb the discontent of our soul And we find ourselves to be sufficient for ourselves. We find ourselves with the skills and the, and the, and the, and the gift sets and the personality to muscle through it and never have to cry out. And fortunately, for this prodigal son, he wasn't able to make enough money to numb himself. Things got so bad that he started longing for the food that the pigs were eating. Now, I know some people say that pigs are clean and they're really a clean animal and we treat them dirty and they're like, we make it a dirty situation. They're pigs. <laughs> oink, oink, gross, gross. Bacon is delicious. They're gross. The, the outside is yucky. The inside is yummy. I don't know. It's magic. It's just the frying pan is a sorcerer of deliciousness. I don't understand it. I'll repent later. But for a Jewish man, there was nothing clean about it at all. There was nothing good about this situation. And so I could tell you that it was ceremonially unclean, and that was why it's bad. No, it was bad because it was pig food. Like 3,000 years ago, pig food. 2,000. And if we feed pigs gross things, what did they feed them? I'm just saying, I don't know. That's not really in my notes. I just am bothered by that as I describe it. I'm, I'm like, it really is a problem. It doesn't matter how clean they are. It's disgusting. And nobody helped him. Sometimes 
when everything gets quiet and nobody is helping, it's because God's trying to tune your ears to him. Sometimes when no help is arriving, there's no help on the horizon. When the phone doesn't ring or the phone doesn't buzz, the app doesn't send the indicator light. It's because God's the one who wants to speak to you. Because God has something that he wants to say to you. Hagar was alone and without hope and God saw her in her despair and came to her. Told her to name her son God Hears. And she came to know God as the God who sees Because even when no one else will come to your help, we have in Jesus a God who hears and a God who sees and doesn't miss you in your loneliness. I know this is a lonely season for for many of us. And I'm not just talking about the quarantine. The quarantine was the easiest part of it, unless you're an extrovert. (laughs) Then you're like scratching the walls and But it's the loneliness on top of that that's so difficult. The loneliness of understanding how can I respond in this cultural moment? What what future is there for me? Will I have a job and the feeling of being alone and despairing and that who, who can help me? Who sees me? Who hears me? We find ourselves with the racial tension saying, I feel misunderstood. From all sides, afraid to speak and and to say the wrong thing. Feel lonely, wrestling with your own thoughts about what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say, not sure who to talk to. In Jesus, we have a counselor who's ready to listen. In Jesus, we have a God who placed us in a family who can listen. And love even through the toughest of conversations and toughest of moments. And I love that this house tackles things straight on. Makes us all uncomfortable. You're totally in agreement at the beginning of the sentence and out of agreement by the end of the sentence. And somehow back in agreement when we take it to prayer. Anybody have that feeling? Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful. It's right. But all this was happening. And he set his heart and mind to return home and to confess his brokenness to his father. He said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell him I don't even deserve anything. Perhaps you could give me a servant's portion of provision. Change his mind. Repentance. There's another R for you. So he goes home and the father sees him while he was still a long way off and the father runs out to greet his son. And he puts a robe on him to symbolize the salvation and the covering of all the wrong that had been done. Covering the the, the sin and the shame of the son and put a ring on his hand as a sign of his commitment to his son, as a, symbol, uh, as, a, as a symbol of his affection and a sign of the, the authority that even the son was going to now have. And he put sandals on his feet, talking about the renewed purpose that the son was going to have as a part of that family. He wasn't going to go and try and make his own way anymore. He was going to go, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things.
And he was going to bring the news of the Father's faithful love to the world. And it wouldn't be his story he, was, he would be telling anymore. It would be the Father's story. And even with the ring and the robe, those weren't the most important thing because now the son had a relationship. He had a relationship with the father where he got to fall into his father's love and provision, where he was done making his own way, but he was going to trust in the father's way. There's no sign in the text that the, the, the severe famine had come to an end because the famine didn't matter anymore. He was with his father. He had the relationship. His heart was now in sync with his father's heart. His love was in sync with his father's love. He wasn't going to run anymore. Not for himself, but for the glory of his father. If you're restless in your soul today, Jesus is calling, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The father's calling you to bring all the restlessness to him. So that when you take action, it's not on your behalf. It's on his behalf. You're not doing it for your own defense. You're not doing it for your own cause or purpose. But with the heart of the father. For the benefit of man and the glory of God. According to his loving kindness. If there's anybody today. Who wants to. You've been far from God. You've been the prodigal son. And you, you ran hard. And you feel that distance. And you know. As I've been sharing the word with you today. You've felt the impact of these moments. You've felt the weight of the compounding effects of this cultural moment and you're, you're desperate for that relationship to be restored, I want to pray with you today. We're brought near, not by our own running, not by our own effort, not by our own strength, but by the action of our Father who is in heaven and His Son who died in our place and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and inviting us into eternal life. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those of us who are far from you tonight, I thank you that you've come near to us by the Holy Spirit today and you've called us back to you. God, I ask that you would cover us in your robe, that you would put a new ring on our hand and new shoes on our feet. We receive the robe of righteousness. We receive, God, the robe of justification. We receive that afresh, God. God, we receive the ring by which you seal your commitment to making us 
members of your family, even as the Holy Spirit is a seal for us. God, symbolically, we receive the ring. And God, we receive the new sandals. We receive your new sandals. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We receive your purpose and your mission in the earth as our own. Give us the courage to turn from everything that we know to be sin and to turn to you during this time. And the faith and the courage to follow you every day of our lives. Everybody say amen. And now for everybody else. Sorry, Jeb, I'm going to do one more thing because I finished fast, Pastor Brett. I was nervous about the baptism. I didn't know how long it was going to go. So we get to pray again. And we're going to pray for every single one of us who's restless. Because what happens is with our restlessness, we return to the Father. We're renewed and we have a relationship. But now we've got the sandals on. And now we get to give ourselves to the work of the Father. Now the Son was going to have to learn some stuff. We call that discipleship. He was going to have to unlearn some things that he learned on his, on his little tirade, on his little temper tantrum. Some things were going to get, have to get rewired. He was going to have to learn to think differently and he was going to have to learn to, to behave differently. And there were things that were going to be okay and there were some things that were going to be not okay in the house. He was going to have to be discipled in the way of the Father. And this is a house that believes in discipleship. That'll help us engage the city and bring about as a renewed people renewal in our city. Renewal in this city for the glory of God. Because you are the primary way that God desires to make his kingdom known in this city. You. With his robe, with his ring, with his sandals, he's chosen you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your commissioning. Thank you for this house and its vision to bless the city by being a renewed people in your presence who are willing to do the uncomfortable thing, have the uncomfortable conversations, have the uncomfortable meetings so that you can be famous and you can receive the glory that you're due. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would go with every person with your power and your grace and your love. We, as your church, say, here I am. God, send me. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen.